Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Happy New Year's Eve, women's basketball fans. Erica Lindsay Ayala here, your Tuesday, Thursday host of Locked on Women's Basketball. Usually on Tuesdays, we talk about social justice in women's basketball, and we're still going to have a little bit of that. But I actually have been deciding what to do with this interview that I had with Dawn Staley. It came as part of uh, one of my favorite uh, two podcast episodes since joining Locked on Women's Basketball, and that was discussing that love letter that was written to the WNBPA by other black women leaders, and Dawn Staley was one of those leaders. Some of you may know that Dawn Staley is only the second black woman to lead an NCAA team to an NCAA championship. She, of course, did so with the South Carolina Gamecocks. She still is coaching uh, South Carolina. The first woman to do it was Carolyn Peck. Peck led a team with Katie Douglas, uh, a Purdue team with Katie Douglas, to the NCAA championship and ultimately to win the 1998-99 NCAA Women's Basketball Championship. And there's this fantastic story that Carolyn Peck, when she cut the net, she cut a small piece of her championship net and eventually gave that to Dawn Staley. Because in Dawn, Carolyn Peck saw the future, the next black woman to win an NCAA championship. And that's exactly what Dawn Staley did. Of course, Asia Wilson, the reigning WNBA MVP was on that South Carolina team that won the championship. But I've often wondered, Dawn Staley, uh, for anyone who doesn't remember that championship celebration, she uh, wore her net everywhere. Um, And I think there there were some wounds healed by Dawn, who missed out on winning a championship as a player. Um, in a very short, in very short measure, by you know, heartbreaking loss. Um, so Dawn enjoyed winning that championship, and I think has enjoyed building up South Carolina to to what it is to to a contender. But I hadn't heard if Dawn had found the next coach to pour into, as she often says. And so I asked her about it. So you'll hear that a little bit in this interview and a few other things as they relate to the earlier episodes talking about the love letter to the WMBPA. So I'm going to link those if you haven't listened below. And I'll also give you some of the backstory to Dawn Staley and Carolyn Peck. Um, And then that will be that for this episode. Uh, This is the last episode for me Uh, for all of us, actually, of 2020. Looking forward to great things ahead in 2021. As always, thank you for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but especially for those who listen to Locked On Women's Basketball. On behalf of Gabe Ibrahim, Amy Audibert, and Howard Megdahl, we all wish you a very happy new year, and we will speak to you again in 2021.
All right, enjoy this conversation with me, Erica Lindsay Ayala, and Dawn Staley. I've been um, attending the Zoom calls with uh, the women with Black women, um, and I, I, I come away from each call just inspired. Um, just the, the camaraderie, the spirituality, um, the knowledge, the poise, the intellect, and, and, and obviously it's, it's discussing, um, it's discussing some political changes that, that we want made across our country, um, and also pushing, um, Kamala uh, to the White House. And in those discussions, you know, you have to look and see, well, who, you know, who are leading some charges out there that, um, that are unpopular, but right. And, you know, I think uh, Dr. Uh, Janetta Cole is the one that so softly, but so powerfully said that, that we needed to, to write a love letter to the WNBA players. And, you know, I, I know all of us, when she said it was like, oh, that's brilliant. That's a, a brilliant idea because, you know, for, uh, for the time that I've stepped away from the game and this kind of outside looking in, seeing um, the WNBA players voice, you know, voice what's on their hearts and be the, the voice of voiceless, it's quite incredible, and it, it, you can't wrap it up in one tweet. You can't wrap it up in one post on, on Instagram. But you can, however, um, show them through this love letter just how many people out there who, who fight the very fight that they fight find it really encouraging that they step out there and do that, knowing, knowing that there's going to be a whole lot of backlash, not just from, you know, they get the backlash just from they think, you know, the WNBA is is uh, an inferior um, athlete than any other athlete on the face of this earth. And we know that's very untrue. Uh, but the way that they've united, you know, there's not one there's not one person that broke the chain um, and and wanting to get things accomplished and using their voices to do that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You mentioned Dr. Cole. I actually had the honor and privilege of speaking with her earlier today. And, and what you said, quiet and, and just straightforward and powerful, absolutely came through in our conversation. And I'm, I'm so excited to have listeners hear that um, from such an accomplished woman. But I think also what you said, Coach Staley, that I, I, I resonated with, um, but I want to tease out a little bit more is that Yes, a love letter sounds so brilliant, but I do feel that anyone who doesn't um, <laughs> who doesn't have the honor of being a black woman might not really understand why that is important. And I think you talked a little bit about it, but I'd love to tease that out a little bit. Um, and the way Dr. Cole talked about it is that there's so much history, and the letter uh, kind of points this out as well. 
there's so much history of black women, unfortunately, um, not being um, raised up and praised and celebrated for the frontline work that they do in every industry across all periods of time in history. And so if you were speaking to someone who maybe doesn't have that understanding or maybe sees this letter coming out at even this time in the season, which I, I have seen uh, critiques about that as well, you know, what would you say to them as, as to the, the underlying importance um, of something like this, this unified message? Well, I, I think for, for, for me personally, I can, I can just look at the strong figure that my mother was and, and still is in my life. Unfortunately, um, she has since uh, passed away, I mean, three years, uh, three years ago. And I just, if I just reflect on her life and if anybody can reflect on their mother's life, they'll see um, the strength of a black woman. They'll, they'll see the struggle of a black woman. They'll see a black woman struggle but not really let you, let you let on. Like I didn't really knew, I didn't know my mother struggled when we were growing up in, in the housing projects in North Philly because she never felt sorry for herself. She never blamed others. She just took what the world gave her and, 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 and gave back strength, strength. I mean, my mother cleaned houses. My mother went to church, was a faithful woman. My mother was, or had the strength of 10, uh, of 10 women. And when you say having the strength of 10 women, that's, that's, that's very, very powerful. So um, for young people that, you know, may think that this is just a letter, you know, for publicity or a letter um, that is coming out for a calculating reason, it's no other reason besides, and it shouldn't be, besides just loving up on somebody else that has probably felt like they're in a struggle. Not on the court, but part of that is on the court too because you know, women aren't paid you know, what men are paid. Um, so that's a struggle when they think about it, but what we can control, we can't always control how much we get paid. Um, we can control our hearts and our voices to make sure that it may not happen for us in our time but it's going to happen for somebody else younger than us in their time. So we hope it changes you know, while we are taking breaths every day. But if it doesn't change in our time, we know that at, at some point, at some point, um, the pendulum is gonna swing our way. So we have to continue being very consistent and persistent in, in, in raising up you know, our, our young ladies, because, you know, they, they are our future, whether we, you know, whether we want to believe that or not, they are though, those young women and the, the WNBA is getting much younger. Um, so we want to raise them up. We, we want to put our arms around them and let them know that, um, <laughs> their, their victory is our victory. And we want to make sure that we, we make them feel that. I love that. Are we ready for some football? College football heads into bowl season, and there are some big matchups coming up. 
the NFL regular season playoff picture is starting to become even more clear. And there is only one place that has you covered and one place we trust. That's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the action. Don't forget, it's promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus for your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And there's two players in particular that I think have um, found a way to really, there's so many. I mean, I I can think of three though, for sure. Um, And actually all three, you have experience coaching through USA Basketball and one you coached at South Carolina. And the three people that came to my mind were Leisha Clarendon, Neka Ogumake, and of course, Asia Wilson. And each one of those individual players has taken, as you said, what has happened in the WNBA and really been a leader uh, in on and off the court. But I think with NECA, with Asia, and with Lasia, what you also see is them kind of also pushing to pushing the barriers. Um, that exist and really trying to empower the WMBPA and the league itself to be better, whether it's bringing sponsorships to players that they maybe never had exposure to before, something NECA and Asia did through the hair salon, um, but also, especially when young Pepper Persley will join a call and, and feeding into the, the youth. Um, I wonder if you thinking of those players in particular, um, what gives you um, just hope and satisfaction, not just as someone who's coached them, but also as someone who is a pioneer in the WNBA? You know, those women are incredibly strong. Um, And they, you know, and they are, are from different eras as far as our age difference. Um, I mean, NECA knows the in and outs of, of the league um, by being the president. Lasia Clarendon has been outspoken on a lot of issues that impact women, um, you know, personally for her and as well as, you know, throughout and sharing her story. You know, Asia Wilson, I've had the distinct pleasure of getting to know her from you know, seventh grade on to where she is uh, the league's MVP. And I, I'm so proud of her growth. I'm so proud of her ability to be unafraid of speaking out. And all these women are unafraid and un, uh, unapologetic um, in, in doing so because they understand what's at stake. They understand that, you know, not only um, do they have people who, who look like them, uh, they have family members that look like the people who are are being abused um, to the point of death and um, being paralyzed. Um, and, and the young people that are seeing it, their children are seeing um, a cycle of, of just mentally breaking a family down. And that just doesn't go away. You know, this stays with people, you know, for a lifetime. 
And if if Lasia, if NECA, if Asia, and the rest of the, the WNBA, WNBA women, if they understand that and realize that, which they do, they're utilizing their voices and they're taking, you know, people are taking hits at them. People are, you know, uh, on social media and, and understand this, you know, you mess with them, you're going to have to mess with, you know, all of these women that you see on this love letter. And then, and then more, because, you know, we're, 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 we're not going to stand down anymore. We're not, we're not, you know, this, this is time for change. If it's not going to happen now, I don't think it's ever going to happen because you don't know the history, you know, we're, we're, we're gaining more and more history about you know, what this country has done. And until we're able to, uh, until we're able to allow that history to be heard and to be known throughout our country, which I think it is, we're making moves. We're having these uncomfortable conversations. Um, I, now is the time. Now is the time that, and I pray that every activist out there, I pray for their stamina because that's what you're going to need. I, I play, I pray for, you know, um, an incredible um, armor um, to deflect some of this. And I, I just pray that um, no harm is done to them because of what they're doing. Betting on basketball doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts. For the greater yeah. good of, of, of everyone. Yes, amen to that. You mentioned um, stamina and armor. Uh, Dr. Cole mentioned courage. And I think both of those fall into a message that you quite consistently now for several years have, have really been um, offering to the women's basketball world in particular, but of course uh, through through sports in general. And that is to kind of, step into that uh, zone of discomfort. Um, that was something that obviously in the Netflix uh, series that, that was a part of your playbook. And I think that that discomfort uh, is difficult, especially for those who perhaps have enjoyed um, the intersect of multiple types of privilege, I'll put it that way. Um, and again, Black women, we don't necessarily benefit from multiple intersects of privilege, but there is still, uh, for anyone, ways that you really have to step out of that comfort zone. I wanted to ask you, Coach, for you, um, you know, what was that process like for you? And, and what are the ways in which you try to impart to any young person um, just kind of sitting in that discomfort and, and helping them through that process? You know, as someone that, I mean, I've lived probably more than half my life right now, if I, if I, you know, if I really think about it. Um, so I'm, I'm at a place and time in which I can reflect and understand where my growth took place and how it took place 
and why it took place and have a really good understanding of that. And I just don't think people in general really understand it because they focus more on just being uncomfortable than focusing on um, how to how to get through. And I, I've been fortunate enough to, to understand the whole process of growth. Um, I, you know, I've, I've grown, you know, over the 50 years that I've been on this earth. I've, and, and for more than half of that, I'd probably say 70% of that, I've been in a position to help young people, to be a, a dream merchant for young people. And in and, and doing that, you have to instill that, that process into them. And once they get it, because once I got it, it, it didn't feel so much uncomfortable, as uncomfortable as it could have been, because I know that if I can if I can pass this life test, which makes me uncomfortable, I can I can move on. I passed it. Let's bring on the next challenge of life. So I, I just think that, you know, making people uncomfortable by having, you know, by talking about Black Lives Matter, um, the growth isn't, you know, the growth isn't, it's a little bit harder for, for people to, to, to digest because it, it, it seems very simple. Like, like, you know, I, I marvel at the fact that people say all lives matter. I marvel like, yeah, yeah, that is very, very simple statement to say. Um, and all lives do matter. They do. But this is, this is when you're seeing what we're seeing, when you see people die at the hands of police brutality at an incredible rate. And for us to have to visualize that, see it, there's no imagination into it. It is, you know, it is as live as a basketball game you're watching on TV. Like you're seeing it real time and very often. So when we want to carve out just a little bit of space to say our lives matter, black lives matter because of what we're seeing and, and the impact that it has on our community, the kids in our community. You know, you, know, you, you look at uh, Jacob Blake's kids. What, what are they thinking at this moment? What were they thinking when they saw their father get shot right in front of their eyes? Now he's paralyzed, so he gets out of the hospital when he does. Um, they're going to see that. They have to live with that. They have to replay that over and over and over again. Yes, Black Lives Matter. We're not, we're not just talking about the ones, that their lives that have been taken or impacted. We're talking about, we're talking about the lasting mental impact it has on our community. And people fail to realize that that's what we're, the whole totality of it. It's not just someone losing their life, which is too much, but the entire impact that it has on our black community. And I, I, every, any smart person can really understand why we are saying that. We're not saying, you know, disowning other lives. You know, we're not saying that at all, but we're saying that this is what's happening to us um, 
if you want to choose that fight, choose that fight. But we're fighting for, you know, preventing the next one because it's just, it, it just peels off the scar and the scab that, that we walk around with in our everyday life. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when you need fantasy basketball advice, it's important that you have a reliable source. More people trust Josh Lloyd, host of Locked on Fantasy Basketball, than any other fantasy basketball podcast. Subscribe to the number one fantasy basketball podcast, Locked on Fantasy Basketball, wherever you get your podcasts. Ain't nothing but a word there, coach. (laughs) I have two more questions, um, and then I will... um, close us out. But uh, the first question is asking you perhaps to reflect as um, someone who, again, is an alumna of the WNBA, but would be looking in on this particular timeline. And that's the timeline of Terry Jackson and her role as executive director. Um, There was a change of leadership. Um, She took the role of uh, Pam, but there was also a structural change at that time. And from what I understand, when Terry Jackson was interviewed for this role, um, she was asked a, a relatively simple question. You know, in five years, where do you see the WNBA? And at the time, she she didn't feel that her answer um, went over well, or, or she that maybe that was just internally what she was feeling. But she told me that what she said is that she hopes that in five years, the WNBA can stand on its own, and that it's not always and constantly, consistently being compared to the NBA or really anything else, but that the WNBA has a stronghold and is able to, again, stand on its own two legs, if you will. Um, Hearing that and seeing what has happened since Terry Jackson um, and since, again, that structural change that happened with the start of her tenure, I'm wondering if if you think that the WNBA is on its way to that, of being a, a league, of being a group of players that, that can stand on its own and be a leader as opposed to always being compared to other leagues? Well, I mean, the WNBA is already standing on its own as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, because this, this league has been in existence for 23 years. Um, and, and, and if – if if we if we receive more love letters from different people around this country, um, we not only will will stand stand on our own two feet. Um, we we can be a revenue producing sport, and and I, I and people fail to realize that if you look back on history. And you compare, because we're comparing, because they always want to compare. <laughs> if you can comp- compare where the NBA was in its, in its 23 years, um, in its 23 years versus our 23 years, and I and I, I don't know this to be true, but I think it may be even par, or the WNBA may have an, an edge from where they started from. So if we can pour in, I'm just talking about financially, for what people pour into the NBA, um, you will you will see we can become a multi-billion dollar um, business. Um, but as far as just where we are, the, the skill level, 
the progression, um, the talent, all of those things to me are, you know, there's not another league. There's not another women's professional league that is doing what we're doing in the, in the world. So I, I think when you look at the whole grand scheme of things, we're in a very good place. Yeah, absolutely. And as I said, this will be my final question for you. And a part of your story, especially to the national championship with South Carolina, that has always just fascinated um, and intrigued me was that relationship that you built with Carolyn Peck leading up to that. And that, you know, Coach Peck offered you, you said you talked about pouring in and she poured into you. And I'm curious, now that you've won that championship, I, I know that you've cut a piece of that net. Um, have you um, been able to find some other women, black women coaches um, that you hope to, you know, share your piece of the net with um, until they get their first championship? Um, I, I, I haven't. What I, what I have done is I've, I've implored uh, Carolyn to help me to help me find that next person because she, she, she saw something in, in me as a coach and, and our team, obviously, um, that when you're, when you're going through it, you don't really see it. You, you, you all, you know, as a coach, you always try to poke holes in the, you know, you have a good team. You just try to find, you know, what is, what is the very thing or things that will deny us from winning the national championship? You can't really, you know, see it. Um, but somebody that's on the outside looking in, and Carolyn saw that it it was it was her love letter to me, mm -hmm. um, in the form of a piece of her net. So I, I need her to help me because I'm still in it. Identify who's that next person that we need to give this tangible thing to. She did say she did say that um, your team is so good that you might need to keep it for a little bit. I was just thinking. <laughs> and then postpone it to somebody else. But I, I am I am looking. I am looking. I'm I'm on the, you know, I'm I'm I got a walk watchful eye on who's that next person or who's that next black coach that we feel can join that club of winning the national championship and become part of history. Hey, well, and maybe that challenge in and of itself becomes its own form of love letter. But coach, I can't thank you enough for, for this time. I always enjoy learning and listening. Um, you, just the way you talk about the, the long game of women's basketball is really inspiring uh, for someone in my field of work. So thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you for having us and covering this, this piece. And I know it will go a long way.